Hello and welcome to the Moving Iron Podcast Veterans Day Edition. Veterans Day is one of those holidays, the older I get, the more I understand the meaning and why it's so important. There is nothing I have more to respect and admiration for than the men and women of the U.S. Armed Forces. The sacrifices each member has made is something I can never repay and furthermore can never truly understand. For that, I am grateful. I had a chance to interview a former neighbor of mine who is a retired Marine, a former Wichita PD officer, and currently a captain in the Kansas Air National Guard. It is truly an honor to call Enrique Guinea a friend. I also have to give a special shout out to some family members who are honored on this day. My two cousins, Michael Taylor and Noah Taylor, my uncle Stan Seymour, Steve Seymour, Leon Leachman, and Ed Webb, and my grandfather, Bob Safright. Thank you for your service and protecting this country and all its freedoms. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. Uh, this is going to be a special one today. I have a good friend of mine named Enrique Aguinia, and Enrique was my neighbor when I lived in Wichita, and Enrique also is a uh, is a Marine, and or was a Marine, and now he works for the uh, Air National Guard, and just got back from a recent deployment in uh, the Virgin Islands, right? Uh, yeah, Virgin Islands, St. Croix, St. Thomas. Okay, so, so yeah, so he's a... Uh, He's going to be around. So I want to have Enrique on to talk about, you know, his, his background, you know, his military service and then what, you know, what Veterans Day means to him. So Enrique, thanks for being on the podcast. And um, why don't you give me a little background on yourself? Well, first of all, I want to thank you and I appreciate you uh, taking the time and, uh, you know, humble coming in and talking to you on your podcast. Um, again, you know, like you said, my name's Enrique Aguiniga. Uh, uh, I have a long name, Aguiniga de la Torre, which is my, from my, uh, my last name is, I'm from, I was born in Mexico. I was uh, seven years old when I came to this country. My parents brought me to this country and, um, it was just one of those things that I just, uh, growing up, uh, my dad always told us, you know, probably what you can make and it's up to you to do the rest. And so, with those words, I've kind of lived, that's been my life model. Um, I, upon uh, coming to graduation from high school, I wasn't ready for college. So I looked into the services and the Marine Corps attracted my attention. Um, it's funny to say the recruiter showed me a video. I was like, yeah, I want to be one of those guys, a uh, Marine. Plus their uniforms are, you know, they're very sharp, but the sharpest in the service. But uh, anyway, so I straight out of high school, I went in and uh, a month after I graduated from high school, I went to uh, MCRD San Diego, Marine Corps uh, Depot in San Diego, and stood on the famous yellow footprints there that many other people stood on. And that's when I started my Marine Corps career, back in uh, July 9th of ni- 1991. Uh, from there, I, uh, I mean, one of the reasons I joined was, you know, of course, GI Bill. I was... Um, the money wasn't there for my parents. You know, they we left a comfortable life, but not enough for college. So one of the reasons it enticed me was uh, was the GI Bill, and uh, also I didn't want to be sitting around like my other friends, and you know, I want to get a get head start in life. And I figure, you know, joining the Marine Corps for four years would give me a good uh, stepping stone to carry on whatever career I wanted to be in. So from there, I moved on, and uh, I was only going through my four years, but uh, I realized that I enjoyed being in the Marine Corps, and I, once my four years was up, I re-enlisted again and, um, and did another four years. 
My first duty station was in Okinawa, Japan. Uh, 18, 19 year old kid in Okinawa, Japan, living in a foreign country. Um, is it was pretty interesting. Then I came back to uh, and was stationed in Tustin, California, uh, Marine Corps Air Station, Tustin, California, which is no longer there. Um, they used to be, El Toro also used to be there. But they shut those bases down back in uh, in the 90s during the BRAC. Um, so from there, I uh, came to Kansas City. I was stationed in Kansas City. Uh, and in Kansas City, I was here. That was my last duty station. I was getting out and uh, continuing my college, you know, finish my degree. That was one of my goals is to have my college degree. Um, that's what I said in life to do. And then I got out of the got out of the Marine Corps, stayed in Kansas City. Um, I joined the uh, the corporate world. I worked for Accenture for um, almost four years, but I knew I was still missing something. Um, so I met uh, my wife in Kansas City, and we ended up moving into Wichita, Kansas. And from there, um, I was in the IT world, and in Wichita, there wasn't much IT stuff so i joined became a police officer um you know I'm, i know i'm dragging this on a little bit but it just it kind of trying to portray how i turn around and what i was in the Corps. um and still being you know joining the police department here in wichita i said well i'm missing the camaraderie that you find in the military that you yeah it's kind of hard to find in the corporate world um and so I feel well, I'll find in the police department, and it's something that uh, curiosity. You know, I've always wanted what you know. I've always wanted to know what it was to be a police officer, so I became a Wichita police officer, and I was still missing that that one camaraderie. You know, the uh, pride of service uh, that I picked up in the Marine Corps, and lo and behold, I joined the Air, the Kansas Air National Guard here in Wichita. And at that time, they were going through a transition, which uh, they converted into intelligence. Um, so I became an intelligence um, analyst. And so that was back in August 6 of 2005. Once I, joined, I came back into the service, um, even though it was just part time, I felt like I was back where I belonged. Um, and... The reason I say that is because um, I was, you know, I go back to what my father told us, you know, I brought you to a place where you can make it, it's up to you to do the rest. And sure enough, um, this is the way of me giving back to a, uh, a country that has given me the opportunity to, you know, make something out of myself and, uh, and, the way I give it back is by serving, which I enjoy. Um, I always, you always hear the one percenter. You know, there's only one percent of the U.S. Uh, population to serve in the military, and I do not regret at all what I'm doing. Uh, this is my way of thanking this country, which is um, has a long history of, you know, different people coming here and. Um, making it a better place. So this is my contribution to it. So um, continue on to the International Guard. I continue. I, by that time, I was married. Um, 
I had a uh, little girl um, and I finally finished my degree and I then applied to be a commission officer, which I then um, became commissioned in 2011 as an intelligence officer, which now um, I did that for a couple of years. Um, as an intelligence officer working uh, in garrison missions, basically supporting the warfighter downrange from here from home, which was very humbling, uh, still contributing to the fight. Uh, no matter what what you do in the military, you're always contributing. And the number one key is, you know, unfortunately, we still have people downrange that we support. Um, so, but here recently in the last year and a half, became uh, I got hired on as a logistics readiness officer. Uh, and my role on that is um, basically as part being an installation deployment officer, which is uh, making, you know, getting everything ready for people to deploy to go overseas or wherever they need to go. Uh, make sure they have the, the need and the support to get them where they need to be. Um, and also um, the deployment distribution officer, which those are, you know, uh, I'm in charge of people that, you know, ship things out. And um, also uh, we mobilize people throughout um, the world and within the country, too. But um, with that said, I uh, I just, like Casey said, just uh, came back from St. Croix. Um, that's where the hub was for the U.S. Virgin Islands. Um, they got hit pretty bad with a hurricane. And my job basically was to coordinate airlift of people coming in and uh, actually you know, mainly the people leaving the island. Once, um, as things were winding down, uh, drawing down, uh, my job was to coordinate the airlift for people to, and equipment to go back home. And that's what I spent a lot, uh, 30 days doing, uh, which is uh, very humbling because, you know, as Air, Air National Guard, you have two missions. Uh, of course, first is your state, and then you also, with what's still going on around the world, uh, we also support uh, federated missions, which is your act, Title 10 active duty missions. And so um, I've experienced the Title 10 missions as far as uh, being mobilized for that, but this is uh, one of my first experiences as a uh, domestic operations is one of our primary missions. And uh, it was it was a very humbling and uh, great experience. You meet a lot of great people from all over the country. Um, but that's pretty much it for me as a um, who I am and where I come from. Um, now, you know, I expressed one of the reasons you know why I joined. Um, basically, just um, didn't know what. I saw that the military was cool, especially the Marines. But once being there and uh, seeing what we stood for, uh, the Marines stood for, kind of motivated me uh, to continue serving. Um, again, because not everybody is, uh, not everybody, you know, is, is born to serve. But everybody still serves this country in one way or the other. Um, you know, just because you're not in the military, that doesn't mean that you're not serving your country, which... Uh, you know, um, p other people are, um, and uh, and I hope my belief is, and every military member's belief is that 
how we serve is to help other people continue to serve here back home um, and continue um, living their dream. Um, but uh, as far as, you know, what a veteran means to me, um, you know, this, I believe the proper definition of a veteran is anybody that has fought in a for, you know, in a combat zone or has, you know, was, um, honorably discharged from the military and, um, and this, that's the very few one percenters. And with that said, um, a veteran to me is somebody that's given a piece of their life to better this country and better and basically ourselves, um, and to continue, um, living the what the founding fathers established for us, which is um, uh, living in a free society where you can make your own opinion and, and make your own decisions without anybody telling you what to do. Um, yes, we still have laws and we still have policies and, and so on, but you still are able to make your own opinion. And so uh, to me, a veteran is... Um, somebody that's preserved uh, what was established from day one when this country was established and um, and I you know even after you leave the military you're still serving and you still protect what you uh, what you you know what you uh, started to protect when you join and at the same time you see the fruits of your of what you fought for so um, I think, you know, again, I'm proud of all the veterans that are out there. Um, I don't regret my life. as um, I'm glad where I'm at now. And I'm happy. And um, I can honestly say to people, yeah, I hope continue the legacy that was established. Um, I can start with the Marine Corps back in 1775. So That's, that's awesome, man. So... What's uh one question I got for here is what's one takeaway that you out of the Marines that you took back that you use in the guard now that you don't think you would have maybe had if you weren't in the Marines? I always tell people that uh, I began uh, my leadership began in the Marine Corps. Um, I can tell you is having the history that the Marine, ha the Marine Corps has, uh, if you look at it, is very embedded into every recruit that goes in because basically you're, we're following on the footsteps of every, every Marine that came before us, and we want to continue that legacy and continue that history. So um, that is one of the things that I've, my leadership that I built, you know, for leaders that I work for in the Marine Corps, I that's when I began to develop in my leadership style um, and just having pride in why I wear the uniform is to, you know, because of all the people, all the fallen soldiers, all the veterans before me continue that legacy and uh, don't want to see that legacy dishonored. Um, so that is what I bring to the Air National Guard. Um, 
in the internet, you know, bring that leadership, the um, mental toughness. Um, and so with that, um, I continue still developing as a leader. You never stop developing as a leader. The only thing I had to do is adjust uh, the, Air Force, the Air Guard. Air Force is a little a different type of uh, environment than the Marine Corps. Um, but you adjust your leadership style to um, to your surroundings. And so it's helped me to where I'm at now, uh, establish myself and uh, gain the respect of uh, the airmen that are below me below me because you you know even though you're in a leadership position, you're never above anybody. you're equal as them. And so um, showing humility and, and being humble, um, will take you a long way. And I've learned that in the Marine Corps. And that's what it carries me now in the Air National Guard. So when you're on the ground in, um, in your last deployment in the Virgin Islands, what was it like, you know, working there? Was that your first deployment of that kind of, of a support deployment like that? And what were the conditions like? It's, yeah, it was, it was my first, uh, domestic operations deployment, um, that I, I was part of, I've been part of and, um, just showing up, just seeing the, uh, devastation that was on the islands. There was, um, power lines down, fences knocked down, roofs, roofs torn from ceilings, buildings damaged. Um, it, I guess the first takeaway getting on the island was, um, is no power. You know, you were so used to here having power every day. We cannot live without our cell phone and self self reception was very, uh, very limited. Um, so communication, um, is, you know, break, if you don't have communication, everything breaks down. So, um, that's the first thing that I noticed when I was there, um, but once I uh, joined up with all the uh, servicemen members, the Army, Army Guard and uh, Air Guard, even the uh, Virgin Island Guard, National Guard there that they have there, um, once, I met, once I met up with them, uh, it just, things just started happening. Things started clicking. Um, it's, I know it's hard to explain. You just can walk into a situation of, people in the same services, even though you're not, not in the same unit or anything or not from the same state. But once you start tackling the situation, you come together as a team. And that's what happened um, is that no matter those people from Virginia, those people from Missouri, there's people from all different states. And we just made things happen. We started working and coordinating and uh, we were able to come together as a team. Um, and I don't know, it, it, you know, I guess in my opinion, in the military, it's just, it's, things just come together. Um, I don't know, in the civilian world, like I said, I spent five years in the civilian world, and it seems like we came come back to the same issue every single time, a problem situation or a problem. But in the military, we just come to a situation, we manage it, we accomplish the mission and move on to the next one. Um, and that was the big takeaways, you know, first of all, the, um, just seeing how devastating it was and the people, 
Uh, they were happy to see us uh, to help them in the situation there. But at the end, also towards the end, as we started working towards this, uh, how every, everybody comes together, no matter what walk of life you're you're from, what state. But all the military members came together, and we were able to um, get the people up and going, and um, con- hopefully con- for them to continue to come out of this. Um, it'll take a minute. It, it was going to take a while, but at least we gave them a good stronghold of where to begin. Well, that's good, Enrique. I'm uh, honored to have you on my podcast, and it's been a it's been a real treat having you here and, and, and hearing your story. And and uh, when I come home next, I'll stop by and have a drink. Hey, sounds great, man. Again, I am humble, and I appreciate you uh, inviting me and having me on your podcast. Um, and definitely, I'll take you up on that drink when you come back down. Um, and tell Ben I miss him <laughs> to mow my grass when I'm gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Semper Fidelis. Hoorah.